tonight to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, as we continue in our series on the transformed Christian life, and tonight looking at the, uh, the fruit of patience of all the miracles that God can do in the lives of busy type A people. This is maybe uh, one of the greatest, uh, where God can slow us down and uh, teach us to be thankful and not complain and, uh, and to be patient, to wait uh, on, the, uh, on the work in the hand of God. So Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, verse 9 through 11. Let's give our attention to God's Word. Paul is, this is his prayer for uh, this early church and for us as well. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Let's ask the Lord to bless His Word. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are in the process of transforming us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you take us, Lord, in all of our weakness, all of our sin and blindness and unbelief, and Lord, you are at work in a beautiful way to make us like yourself. And uh, Lord, we pray that tonight that work would continue as you use the Word uh, to transform us by the renewing of our mind, and oh God, please do that tonight, and we'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our, our uh, text tonight is about one of the most uh, essential and one of the most beautiful and one of the most easily overlooked virtues uh, and fruits of the Holy Spirit, the, the fruit of patience. It's a virtue that we generally do not treasure, value as highly as we ought to. Uh, that's partly due because we live in a, in a culture that it's not uh, geared for patience, uh, we live in a culture that's geared for quick solutions and instant gratifications and getting uh, what you want and what you need, uh, however uh, you see fit to do that. Um, patience is not something that we value in our culture. Um, there are, it's interesting, when you travel abroad a little bit, one of the things that surprises me going like, uh, to England, uh, England is uh, known for their lines, their queues, and uh, people stand in line uh, very, very patiently. You don't see lines much here except maybe at Cedar Park or Cedar Point, uh, one of the, the Six Flags, which is why I don't go to Six Flags. Um, I don't see any reason to pay to stand waiting. It's not something that, that, um, that I value, and that as a culture, we, we don't really place a value on it. Patience, you see, has grown uh, in the field of hardship and suffering. That's where it grows. Uh, that's where it flourishes. That's where it reveals itself. And those are fields that we tend to avoid uh, as much as we possibly can. And I think that this, uh, this virtue doesn't really strike us as essential in the sense that the lack of it, I don't think, really weighs heavy upon us. If, <clears throat> if we lose our patience uh, with our boss, with, uh, with the guy that's driving in front of us, with our family even, uh, we, we know it's not proper, we know it, we, we shouldn't do that, and yet um, I, I'm not sure that the, the, the impatience that we express strikes us as a really sinful thing. It's not, it's not something that maybe weighs heavily on our conscience. Um, lack of patience is revealed in complaining. And, and I don't know if, if I remember someone in a time of you know, prayer or just 
confessing sin. I don't remember someone saying, you know, you need to pray for me. I have this wicked, wicked, awful, vile habit of complaining. I mean, we, people don't talk like that. And yet, complaining is nothing less than a public display of our pride, our, our wicked, vile pride, and our abject unbelief in the goodness and kindness of God. And so, patience is a, is a big deal. It's, it's actually uh, essential to salvation. It's, it's inextricably tied to faith. And so, in Hebrews chapter 6, the writer says, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who knew that patience was such a big deal? It's a necessary part of inheriting the promises. The, the writer to Hebrews is talking to a church that's suffering. Uh, life is hard. Uh, it, it might seem to them and, and to those who are, are looking in that they have reasons to complain, and yet the, the writer reminds them of the importance of patience. He points uh, he reminds them of the Israelites of old, particularly the generation that died in the wilderness. The, the, the generation that came out of Egypt with Moses and, and had all the promises of God given to them, and, and yet they never gained the promise. They just died in the desert. What happened to them? Well, they complained. They weren't patient. They didn't believe. It's all tied together. And so, and so the writer here says, remember those who did inherit. And how did they inherit? Well, they, they inherited the promise through faith and patience. You see, patience is what faith does or what it looks like. The, uh, Jesus even talks about the essential importance of, of patience. Endurance is a very closely linked word, as we'll see the, this evening. Jesus says in Luke 21, 19, by your endurance, you will gain your life. By your endurance, you will gain your life. It's a big deal. As I said before, this, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of faith. Uh, these, these, uh, this fruit all grows from the soil of faith. And uh, that's never more true than in the matter of patience. Patience is, is one of the most significant authenticating marks of a functioning faith. Let me say that again. Patience is one of the most significant authenticating marks of authentic faith. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher in, in London um, who's passed on now, but he says this, there is nothing which so certifies the genuineness of a man's faith as his patience and his patient endurance. Nothing that so certifies the genuineness of his faith as patience and patience, patient endurance. That's a, it's a good word for me. Uh, because I'm not by nature a patient person. Um, I, I'm, I'm by nature impatient. I want to move. Let's go. Let's get things done. Uh, I think I'm not alone in that. And yet, we should long to be people who are profoundly, beautifully patient. Uh, a godly patience is a wonderful evidence of, of the reality of our faith, where we actually believe that God is in control and that God is able to take care of things and, and He's able to take care of us and we're going to be okay. Here in, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, we have Paul's prayer for his church and you notice those two words, endurance and patience, very closely related. Uh, as a general rule, and it's a general rule, but as a general rule, um, patience is our, uh, our, our disposition towards difficult relationships, people, 
and we're patient with them. Endurance um, generally is, is a reference to our relationship with difficult circumstances, and we're patient and we endure those circumstances. Um, they can be interchanged, but the, uh, Paul is reminding the early church that this is God's will for them, that his prayer is that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, because this takes an act of God, for all endurance and patience with joy. And they need that. They need the endurance and patience uh, with joy because life is hard for them too. To be a, a Christian in Colossae is, is a hard thing. Uh, the early church would have lost oftentimes a family their family as they came to Christ. They'd be ostracized either by their Jewish family or their pagan family. Uh, they would lose their jobs. Sometimes they lost their lives. There was a great cost to being a Christian and a lot of hurt and heartache, hardship. And, um, and Paul reminds them that, that God is able to not only uh, help them cope in some just emotional way, but God is able to make them endure and, and exercise patience, with the, which is the fruit of the Spirit, with all joy, with all joy, that they are more than conquerors as they go through these trials. That's the image. I, I think one of the clearest illustrations I've, I've seen of this beautiful joy in trial, and there's so many, but um, I'm, maybe many of you have seen the, the video clip of um, Nightbird singing on uh, Americans Got Talent in 2021, and her song was It's Okay. She she comes out on stage. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to do it. It's, it's a fascinating story. She, uh, she's this very thin woman, 30 years old, and, but has this, this beautiful glow about her. And uh, the judges, you know, they're making small talk. They ask her name and what she intends to sing. And she says, well, I'm going to sing a song I wrote um, about my last year, this last year of my life. Uh, they ask her, what do you do for work? And she says, well, um, for the past few years, I've been battling cancer. Uh, and the judges are shocked and sympathetic. And Simon Cowell says, well, how are you doing now? And she says, well, the last I checked, the cancer has spread to my spine and liver. And, um, and the, again, the, the judges are stunned. You can hear a gasp go up in the, in the, in the, in the audience. And uh, she says, but it's okay. And um, she, she sings her song about it being Okay. And when she's done, there's this stunned silence. This, people are just dumbfounded. How, how can this woman say, say it's okay? How can she sing it's okay with such joy, evident joy, just this beaming face, when she's clearly dying? And the answer is that Nightbird was a Christian. Nightbird was a Christian who, in the middle of losing everything, and she lost everything. She lost, obviously, her health. She lost her husband who walked away because he didn't want to deal with it anymore. Um, she lost her career, and yet by the power of God was living with all endurance and patience with joy. And it was a stunning testimony. And my, and my thought was, just watching that again and, and seeing the power of that testimony, my thought was, what, what if the whole church looked like that? What if that's actually how we did life? And what impact might that have on the world around us? What if instead of spending the past few years complaining about government policies and bemoaning the status of our country, what if the conservative reformed church had instead been uniquely and conspicuously marked by patience and endurance with joy? 
What if we were the people that walked around with a big smile on their face saying, it's going to be okay. God's got this. You see, what if our lives and our language communicated to the world that we really did believe in a good and gracious and, and sovereign God who was ordering all things and, and so it was going to be okay. And I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm at the head of the line when it comes to uh, people who, who need to learn patience. I used to think that when my wife put her hand on my knee, it was a sign of affection. Now it's just, it's a note that stop bouncing because you're giving me a headache. <laughs> So I'm ahead of the line, and I don't think there's anybody here who's going to disagree with me. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a fruit I want to grow in. And we have wonderful evidences right here at Harvest Church of, of people who are exercising and manifesting this gift. You just have to know where to look. Look, look um, you know, at the face of a young mother who hasn't slept much in the past week because her little one is sick, and yet she's here, and, and she's worshiping, and she's still looking to the Lord or, th- or look to the person who's uh, dealing with an incurable disease or chronic pain, chronic pain, every day. And yet, they're still in patience looking to the Lord. Look to the elderly who've endured so long and lost so much. Joanne Vandenberg's going to have her 94th birthday uh, this week. And still full of the joy of the Lord. You see, that's what we're after. We're after something that's really, really precious. Something incredibly beautiful. Something that comes from God. So how do we get that? How do we become like that? The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the two points I'd like to make this evening is just that patience comes from, first, a functioning knowledge of God, and secondly, patience comes from a conviction about our future. So patience, this kind of patience, God works, transforms us, works us in our life by His mighty power as, as we have a functioning knowledge of God and a conviction concerning our future. Notice the emphasis of Paul's prayer here, first of all, is that we, we, have, that we know God. It's verse 9, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then in, in verse 10, he, he uh, repeats in a sense where he talks about that they might be increasing in the knowledge of God. When Paul thinks about how God makes patient people, beautiful, smiling, patient people, um, he's convinced that the rock, the foundation of that life is a, is a conviction about God, a knowledge of God, that the people are, have been filled with a knowledge of His will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. They have a sense of, of what God is like and, and uh, what His purposes are about and, and His character, His goodness. So, this, this sense of knowing God is, is found throughout Scripture, and it's, the, and it's the foundation for all true godly living, but particularly for this. But let me just quote Jeremiah 9.24. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and know me, says, knows me, says the Lord. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands me. He understands me. He knows me, says the Lord. Psalm 9, verse 10, those who know your name put their trust in you. It's a functioning knowledge. See, friends, one of the amazing things about being a Christian is that God has revealed himself to us. We have, we have the word of God right here where God speaks in his word, and God tells us who he is and what he's like and what his purposes are, and it's not that difficult to understand, to, to, to ascertain. 
And the Spirit has been given to, to help us in our slowness um, so that we could understand it in a functional way. So we have here all the great precious promises of God and, and the beautiful saving purposes of God. Uh, it, God has told us these things. And Paul prays that all that God has revealed to us, to, uh, to us about himself, about what he's like and about his saving acts and about his, his, his saving purposes for us, to bring us right without spot and, great, and with great joy into, the, into his own presence. Paul's praying that, that the, the Holy Spirit and the, the power of God through the Spirit would use that knowledge to give us this endurance and patience with joy. And, and the, the key there is simply that it has to be a functioning, a functioning knowledge of God so that we're applying it to life. Stephen Sharnock says this. He says, in regard of God, patience is submission to his sovereignty. That's a functional knowledge of God. You, patience is submission to his sovereignty. You say, okay, God, you are the Lord of all. I, I choose to submit to, that so, to your sovereign will. I submit to it. Sharna goes on, to endure a trial simply because we cannot avoid it is not Christian patience. You just, right, chin up, buckle up, bear it. Uh, that's not Christian patience. But to humbly submit because it is the will of God, to be silent because the sovereignty of God has ordered it, this is true godly patience. Whatever my God, my God ordains is right. That's, that's the conviction of, of a Christian. You see, if the, if the soil of patience is suffering, the seed of conviction is, the seed of it is a, a conviction of the loving good purposes of God. The, the conviction that God actually has this. And, 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 and God knows what he's about and it's going to be okay. We have reasons for patience. We have reasons for endurance. We just need to apply it. One of the things that's been a tremendous help to me over the past months and in the time of, of our trial is, my trial, is just to reflect on God's good and loving purposes for me. At none of this, uh, my life is, is, is not, there's nothing random about my life. And so Hebrews 12 has been really helpful where the writer just reminds, do not be weary when reproved, when, when, when reproved by God because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And the Lord is treating you as sons Verse 7, that's a good word. And he disciplines us for our good, verse 10, that we may share in his holiness. That's a wonderful promise. And that God's discipline, his training, yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. That's a, that's a good word. You see, the work of faith, friends, is simply to take the, that word, these truths, to the specific reality of our life, the circumstances of our life, so that, we, so that they function there. Faith Faith takes what God has actually says and plugs it in. Takes the promises and stands on them. Just turn in your Bible maybe to Hebrews chapter 13. It's a great example of this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Just a, a great example of, of how to plug in the truth of God and His purposes into our life. So we read there, he, that is God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God says. So we can confidently say, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It's exactly how it works. You see? He has said, God has said, it's right there in the Bible, I will never leave you or forsake you. That could not be more real than if an angel from God stood in front of you and handed you a, you know, a handwritten note from the Lord. Um, you have exactly that in your Bible. This is God's message to you. I, God says, will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You'll never be forsaken. And so no matter what circumstance you're in, we can confidently say, well, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Why Why would I fear if the Lord is my helper? What can man do to me if the God who created the universe with with his voice, if he's my helper, what can man do to me? But you see, we must plug it in need to remember that the difficult circumstances of the life that you live in right now, the difficult, um, whatever the difficult circumstances are, they're there by the sovereign purpose of God. Uh, they're there because God is treating you as a son, he's treating you as a daughter, and he is uh, leading you and calling you to trust him in deeper, richer ways than maybe you've ever known before. Uh, we just need to plug it in. I, let me just give you a very simple, um, so I'm preaching on patience, right? All week long I'm working on this sermon. And um, think about, okay, how do you apply this? One of, the, one of the areas where my impatience comes out most glaringly is driving, and that's just unfortunately true. And I don't think, again, I don't think I'm alone. But I'm, I'm, uh, at, a, I'm at a light, right, and the arrow goes, and there's like three cars, the green arrow flicks on, there's like maybe four cars ahead of me, and I'm trying to, you know, am I going to be able to make this light? So come on, people, Right? Move, 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 and, and, and the person in front of me is not moving. I don't know what they're doing. I'm on the phone talking to grandma. I have no idea. I just know they're not moving. And, and I, it's sort of an out-of-body experience because, right, I got pizza to pick up. Come on, people. This is, and, and the thought just came in, is God sovereign here? Would God maybe even be sovereign over whoever's in front of you? Would it be okay, do you think, if you, if you didn't catch this green light? I mean, what, what sort of cataclysmic thing might happen if you just had to wait for the next one? And you realize, you see, that when I thought about, does God have control here? I just I feel, I feel like such an idiot. What, what am I doing? I mean, I'm just kicking around God's world. I, I, my, I want things on my timetable, my way. Come on, people. You know, let's, this is Dale's world. Would you please all cooperate? That's what it's doing. It's so, it's so silly and it's so sick. So foolish. Just plug it in right way. See, it's got to go into the circumstances. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. You, that, that knowledge will do you no good if you just walk out of church and you step back into your life and you're back, you do you, and everything you just heard or thought or knew, that you knew about God just sort of stays there on the shelf. If it doesn't get plugged in, it will not transform you. This is how it gets transformed. You take that truth off the, off, your, off the shelf and you plug it exactly into the circumstances of your life. Does God have this or doesn't he? Those are your options. Is he in control or is he not? Does he love me or does he not? Does he promise to be good to me or has he not? Has he promised never to forsake me or has he not? Plug it in. Watch God transform your life. The second thing that patience comes from is a conviction about our future. And so Paul mentions that several times again in this prayer. Uh, This would be in verses 12 and and 13. He says, The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. See, we grow in patience and endurance when we have a conviction about our future. We know where we're going. We, we have a clear sense of our destiny. And so we, we look at our present circumstances in light of our eternal reality. God has qualified you, Paul says, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That is really good news. That's really, really good news. That song, When the Saints Go Marching In, right? I, I want to I be one of them. Yeah. God has qualified you to be with the saints and, and to be the inheritors of the saints in light. That's incredible. God has delivered you from the domain of darkness. God has transferred you, past tense, to the kingdom of his beloved son. And that's where you live now, as a citizen of heaven. That's what makes us unique in the world. We're, we're, God has done something incredible. He's, he's made us citizens of heaven. And so we can live in this world with a conviction about what is yet to come. And that, you see, that produces patience and endurance. You find power for those things. And, 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 and able to endure and be patient with all joy. You see, when the reality of eternal things are fixed in our heart and minds, when the things that are unseen become real to us, then the things that are seen become bearable. And if you, if you just stare at your little problems and, and you, you focus on that and you completely forget about who you are and what God has, has done for you and promises to you, well, that little problem is going to rule your world. But when you step back and look at the big picture again, when you focus on what is unseen, well, then the things that are seen become bearable. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. I think about people who've lost a loved one. Maybe a, a child or a precious spouse. And what is seen is the loss. Um, and it's, and it's, it's real. And it's hard. And yet it's, it's bearable, it's endurable, even with joy when we remember that what is seen is transient, the, the parting is but for a moment, and the reunion is forever, that we're going to see our loved one again, and very, very soon, and forever, there will never be another goodbye. That's how faith functions, as we lay hold of our future with confidence. The poet John Greenleaf Whittier expresses it this way, through the dark and stormy night, faith beholds a feeble light up the blackness streaking. Knowing God's own time is best, in a patient hope I rest for the full day breaking. James uses the same logic in James 5, verse 7. He says, be patient, brothers. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also, be patient. Establish your hearts 
for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We're to be patient people. God knows what he's, what he's about. God knows how to, how to mold our life and make us ready for eternal glory. God knows how to order this world for, for his purposes. It's going to be okay. We can establish our hearts knowing that the coming of the Lord is at hand. Friends, God calls us to let the reality of our eternal glory slow us down and give ballast to our life. You know, we don't have, we don't have to be flying around in a hurry. We, 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 don't, we can put off the, the sin of impatience and all the pride and the unbelief behind it. We, we don't have to frantically pursue everything. The Lord is our helper. The Lord is our shepherd. And, and that can apply to the most mundane things like driving, and it can apply to the most difficult, hard things that you face in your life. This is God's call to us. The Lord is at hand. He's coming very soon. I remember reading a story about Eric Liddell. Maybe you've heard of him. He was the Olympic runner that was made famous, really, in the movie Chariots of Fire, Scottish Olympian. And uh, Eric became a Presbyterian missionary to China after the Olympics. His passion was to live his life as best he could for the glory of God, the glory of Christ. And, and so he was in China, and World War II broke out, and the Japanese invade. And uh, Eric Liddell was imprisoned in a Japanese prison camp. His wife and children, his daughters, had escaped uh, to Canada. But uh, he stayed behind because he was committed to the church there. And he, in, in that camp, uh, Liddell became known as a loving, sacrificial servant of all. He was a bright light. Survivors of the camp talked in glowing terms about how generous and gracious uh, and, and joyful he was even in the camp and, and how he's constantly serving people's needs, even at great cost to himself, giving his meager food away to others who needed it more. And there in the acute suffering of malnutrition and overwork and missing his wife and his daughters, there was a glow about Eric Liddell. He collapsed in mid-February 1945, was taken to the infirmary, overworked, under, underfed. A nurse slipped a note out the window from him to a man who played in the little a band. They had a, some musicians got together and played in a little band, and, and Eric asked if they would play Finlandia, the tune of his favorite hymn. Be still, my soul. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. He died two days later, and through faith and patience, was led to his joyful end, right? He gained his reward, gained his inheritance. I want to live like that. I hope you do too. You see, friends, Jesus Christ died on the cross to make us, to free us from our sin and to make us like himself. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we could be transformed people. And that the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience would be realities that we find God performing in our life as we apply what we know to be true about our God 
to the circumstances of our life, as we trust his character, as we trust his word. Remember what we read in Psalm, uh, Psalm 130? I just want to grab it so I don't, I don't mess it up. But we, early in the service, we, I just thought that's exactly right. Psalm 130. It talks about, I wait for the Lord. See, that's the patience. My soul waits, verse 5. And in his word I hope. In his word I hope. We, we, he, he's, he's spoken to me here. And so, and so I put my trust there, my rest there, and I wait for God because of what he said there. And I set my heart then on all that he's promised to me, all that is yet to come. And by that, our lives are transformed. I just pray that, that we'd become a, a, a people known for this beautiful gift, this beautiful fruit of the patience that honors God. Amen. Oh, Father, I thank you that you are at work transforming us. We want that transformation. We need that transformation. I thank you, oh Jesus, that you died on a cross to rescue us from ourselves, our bondage to fear and unbelief and pride. And you died to make us your, your own children. And you died to make us like yourself. And Father, we, we need to grow in this as Christians. Our complaining mocks your word. Lord, our, our impatience just manifests our pride. And we ask that you'd forgive us for it. Lord, I pray that when the world looks at the church, they don't see a bunch of angry people or, or, or people in a constant hurry, people who are pushing and shoving like everyone else, people who are in a rush, frantic, with concern and anxiety all over their face and in their heart. But Lord, I pray that they would see a people who have discovered the beauty of patience particularly in the midst of trial. Lord, I pray for those here tonight who are in the middle of trial, who have broken hearts because of a, the loss of a loved one or a, a broken marriage, or who are dealing with hard news about health issues, whatever it might be. And Lord, I, I pray that in that very moment and circumstance tonight, you would give us your peace and teach us your patience as we trust you as we trust you, trust your word. And Lord, I pray then that there would be in our life that beautiful fruit of endurance and patience with joy. To the glory of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 676, day by day, and, and each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Let's stand together and sing.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.